Hello, and thank you for joining us for this month's episode of the FireStrong podcast. FireStrong is an official product of the Fire Center of Excellence and Fort Sills Public Affairs Office. I'm your host, Don Herrick. And I'm Keith Pinnell. And today in the studio, we have Command Sergeant Major Stephen Burnley, the Fire Center of Excellence and Fort Sills Command Sergeant Major. Sergeant Major, thank you for joining us today. Hey, good afternoon, Don and Keith. Hope all's going well down here for you guys. Ah, we're always living the dream down here in the Public Affairs Office. So, Sergeant Major, uh, we always like kicking these off with asking you just to tell the community a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, I'm Steve Burnley, uh, currently serving as the Command Sergeant Major here at the Fire Center of Excellence. I've been serving in our great Army for about 29 years. Joined back in 1993 out of uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Um, came in as an air and missile defense Avenger crew member, uh, serving in you know various uh, short range air defense units in Korea. Spent a lot of time at the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, jumping out of airplanes there with the Stinger missile. Uh, and, and over time, I served uh, all the traditional assignments that an air defender, uh, short range uh, NCO, would serve in. Uh, as well as an observer controller at JRTC. Uh, as a sergeant major, you know, I've served in uh, Patriot units here at Fort Sill. I spent five years in Europe uh, with the 10th Army Air Missile Defense Command and then had the opportunity to uh, serve as a command sergeant major for the 32nd Army Air Missile Defense Command at Fort Bliss, Texas, and then as the Air Defense Artillery School and Branch Sergeant Major right here at Fort Sill prior to uh, assuming the roles here at uh, the Fire Center of Excellence back in July of 2020. So a nice, well-rounded career and literally all over the globe, Sergeant Major. It's been exciting times. So I've been very fortunate to serve uh, in all the theaters that, that the Army has. Uh, spent some time in Korea and Japan. Uh, I've served in the space realm. And, you know, I just, I've been blessed. You know, the, the Army always gives us so much, and I've always been excited of where it took me, too. So I know a lot of our NCO listeners that are out there uh, in the verse, as we like calling <laughs> it, are always looking for, you know, senior level advice on broadening assignments or, you know, what they need to help them in the promotion realm. Uh, so what advice do you have, Sergeant Major? So I'll tell you, I get asked that question a lot of what what do I need to do to get promoted or what should I be doing to get ready for the next job? And, and most of the time I tell our, our leaders and soldiers out there that number one, you just need to do the best job you can with the job that you have. You know, that, that's the key to almost everything, uh, especially at our, our uh, junior mid-grade levels. You know, Human Resources Command does a pretty good job of, of getting soldiers to where they need to be and have the opportunities to gain experiences, assignments, and develop over time. Uh, and I think sometimes our, our soldiers and leaders out there spend too much time worrying about what's next instead of focusing on where they're at. Yeah. So first off, I would tell anybody out there that, number one, do the best job where you're at. Uh, so the second part to that is, as, as you ask about broadening opportunities, I think there's also a rush out there sometimes for soldiers to check the block in the job they're in and just move immediately to a broadening assignment because there's this urge, like I have to get a broadening assignment in order to be competitive for the next next uh, you know, rank. Uh, and that's not entirely true. You know, As I described about doing the best job you can with the job that you have, I, I think it all starts there. 
Uh, and for the field artillery uh, and the air defense artillery specifically, I know that Sergeant Major McMurdy and Sergeant Major Gray have done an incredible job at capturing what leaders and soldiers need to do in their careers and what jobs they have to do in order to be successful. And they've even gotten it to the point uh, in the DAPAM 600-25 of laying out minimum time standards associated with the positions mm. that will help soldiers you know, hold them in a position and in some cases stabilize them in that job and give them the time to develop the skills, experience, uh, knowledge necessary so that they are successful at the next grade. Uh, and those are minimum time standards. Uh, as an example, uh, and I'll just use the air defense artillery side as a 14 Papa, uh, you know, the what they're looking for is for a sergeant to serve 18 months in his team leader position, you know, and a staff sergeant to serve 24 months as a squad leader. Uh, platoon sergeants, uh, you know, sergeant first class, that key developmental position it is a platoon sergeant, and we're looking for them to serve 24 months in those positions, and that's that's the minimum before we even look at considering them, uh, you know, for a broadening opportunity. Um, so I, I would just, you know, those two things up front, do the best job you can where you're at. Don't be in a rush to move on to a broadening opportunity. Gain the knowledge, skills, attributes in those key developmental positions uh, for their MOS and skill grade. And then the broadening opportunity is exactly what it's called. It's, a, it's an opportunity, and it could be a joint NATO drill sergeant, recruiter, instructor, might be an IG position, could be a SARC or EO or something along those lines. Uh, and they're geared to increase the knowledge, you know, not only of themselves in the Army, but of policy programs and increase skills beyond their CMF so that it sets them up for more responsibility down the road. You know, great advice. Really master your your own craft before you go into those broadening assignments. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, an easier way to look at it, I know I referenced the DAPAM 600-25, um, and that will, you know, kind of give the big picture of it. Um, but if soldiers or, or leaders out there just go to the Army Career Tracker, uh, and as they navigate through their own planning their careers, there are great career maps that are laid out there by MOS, uh, and skill grade that say what they should be doing uh, or what they recommend doing for operational force, generating force, and broadening opportunities. It also lays out professional military education they could be doing, functional training, civilian education, boards and stewards of the profession type stuff. So it's a great tool. And like I said, here at the Fire Center of Excellence, uh, the field artillery and the air defense artillery have done an incredible job of keeping those documents up to date and relevant, even as our Army continues to change and open up new new units and new jobs out there. So I've always been so impressed is I remember the day <laughs> I came in and then the Army Career Track, the Army Career Tracker, it's just made that process of knowing what gateways you need to accomplish in your professional career so much easier just to for anyone, you can access it at their phone. First too. of all, Don, when did you come in? Oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, we're definitely not mentioning that. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I've just been very impressed with that platform. Yeah, Army Career Tracker has been an incredible platform. We've uh, we've utilized it for sponsorship. Uh, you know, I mentioned the uh, the 600-25 reach back in there on planning your, your careers, but also has a, 
a, a part in there where you can develop an individual development plan, select a mentor, and your mentors can review your plan, provide you feedback as you help, you know, that underutilized domain of self-development uh, that we don't always hit. You know, we do a pretty good job in the operational realm, the institutional domain, you know, we get our opportunities to go to PME and, and other courses, but, you know, usually the the, the lacking area is the individual motivation to knock out stuff in the self-development mm-hmm. realm. So really, a soldier can pretty much take charge of their own career. So that's the expectation. Yeah. You know, a, a soldier controls their destiny. Uh, and as the Army has uh, you know, talked about putting people first uh, in the new enlisted manning cycle that's out there, soldiers are preferencing their assignments. They're getting options that they may not have seen in the past. They're coming into windows. They know when their windows are coming in that they're going to be looked at. And uh, most soldiers are getting one of their top three choices as they're out there you know, looking at assignments. So IDPs are major, those individual development plans. Uh, what is that process looking like today? So it's, uh, I already mentioned the Army Career Tracker where uh, you know soldiers can go in there, build their individual development plans and send them to their mentors and, and get them reviewed. But uh, what we've started to do within the last year across all of the Army is we've brought them into the non-commissioned officer professional development. Uh, So for soldiers going through the basic leader course, advanced leader course, or senior leader course, uh, as part of the, under the umbrella of Project Athena, they go through various, uh, they take various assessments um, that provided feedback. And at the uh, conclusion of those courses, they will complete an individual development plan with a goal of working on themselves, you know, up until the next uh, touch point with professional military education. And they should be sharing that with their, their leaders and the units they return to so that they can help them achieve the goals that they're, they're planning. Uh, additionally, something that we're gonna start uh, integrating here at Fort Sill is uh, we do a cadre resiliency program, uh, which is a program designed for our drill sergeants and instructors once they've been on the platform for about a year to help them kind of step off the trail for a couple weeks, uh, focus on themselves, uh, where they're going, and kind of reset themselves. So we're going to start bringing that IDP into that course uh, as a way of maybe having them look at it a little bit differently. Instead of focusing on the technical and tactical aspects of their job, maybe look at how they're developing and what are they working on on their holistic health and fitness, Hmm. uh, their spiritual readiness, their resiliency. Uh, so just another component of that is we try and take something that the Army is already doing and, you know, implement it in a, a different way. And that's so important right now, too, just looking at, you know, health, fitness and resiliency in a kind of holistic manner. Yeah, the the and we're pretty fortunate here at Fort Sill, you know, with our Grand Performance Enhancement Center down there. We've got a lot of those things all up under one roof. We've got the resiliency uh, branch down on the right side of the building there, and down the left side, we've got the Army Wellness Center. Uh, and in between, we've got everything to kind of hit all the components of our, our holistic health and fitness. So we're pretty fortunate. Do you find that it's it's somewhat difficult to get a drill sergeant to, to do that? The drill sergeants have to feel they have to maintain an image. So do you feel it's hard to get them looking, in, being introspective, if you will? So we've had a lot of positive feedback on the course. Uh, a lot of the feedback we get is that while they're on the course, a lot of the focus is on taking civilians and turning them into soldiers. Very long hours, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
seven days a week. So by having that opportunity between the 10th and 14th month that they're on the trail to step away from that, have an uninterrupted uh, weekend on the front end and a four day on the back end, remove from the training schedules and solely focus on themselves, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. And in some of the programs we have down there and some of the classes that we do, we invite and we encourage family members to participate so they can do things like learn to identify stress, communication exercises, and things like that. So along with career broadening and changing things, the ACFT looks like it's rapidly becoming a reality and will be the program of record soon. Well, it's not rapidly becoming. It's it here. Is here. That's right. <laughs> it, it so is, people need to deal. get, soldiers need to get ready on that. So what has changed? There's been a lot of change since it was first thought about to now. What has changed and, and why the delay? Why the changes? Okay, so, so first off, uh, you know, the ACFT is here to stay. Yes. Uh, we've been without an approved test for record uh, for a couple of years. Uh, one reason as we were trying to, to roll out a, a new way of doing it, uh, you know, we had some congressionally mandated uh, requirements that we had to meet. We instituted a brand study to, to look at what we were trying to do. COVID hit, which put a kind of a spin on, on some things. But, uh, you know, not a whole lot has changed. You know, for our soldiers and our units out there, that have been working uh, toward the physical fitness you know, requirements we've had out there, not a whole lot has changed. Uh, the, the biggest change uh, for most folks out there is probably that as we've been practicing the leg tuck as, a, as an exercise of record, that has gone away and they've gone back to a, a plank exercise instead of the leg tuck. That's the biggest change as it relates to the test itself. So, Sergeant Major, I know soldiers right now are taking a diagnostic ACFT. So when does the requirement for the ACFT being their record physical fitness test kick in? Yeah, so that, that'll be next April. Uh, actually, correction, that'll be this October. So this April right now is when the diagnostic testing and what the Army tried to do as they're updating personal policy in a time phase deliberate manner they want to ensure that all soldiers can test and improve their performance. And the way that we're doing that is through the diagnostic ACFT from this April uh, until October. And then there's some other things that will happen during that period as well. Uh, so once we get to 1 October, um, there are, depending on whether you are in school or in an initial entry training course, uh, there are some... Uh, you know, different ways that that test will either be a diagnostic or, or record. For an example, um, if you're in uh, basic training during that time coming into the Army uh, and you graduate after 1 October, then that ACFT will be a graduation requirement. Hmm. Um, if you are attending one of our professional military education courses, I'll just use, you know, ALC or SLC, um, if that course starts after 1 October, then the ACFT will be a graduation requirement for that course. Uh, on our non-commissioned officer evaluation reports, uh, ACFT results will be annotated on there if the through dates are on or after 1 October. Uh, and then there's some other uh, you know, nuances with commissioning, promotions, and separations, all that stuff. Um, but I would tell you, as, as we're rolling out this, and the announcement was made last month, uh, Units across the Army began an ACFT chain teach on their installation. Uh, I personally held an LPD session here on Fort Sill while I trained all of the sergeant majors on the installation. 
and they went back to their units and are driving this down to the lowest level. Uh, and part of the goal of, of doing that ACFT change each was to stimulate dialogue within the units and talk about the same things that you're asking me questions on today. Sorry, Major, why the change to an age and gender-based scoring scale? Yeah, so that question gets asked a lot. And, the, and I'll tell you, that the shift to the age and gender performance norm scoring scale was based on a whole lot of data that, that was compiled. Um, it was soldier feedback. There were thousands of tests that were completed. And then analysis, as I mentioned earlier, that was done from the RAND independent study. And what happened was with these age and gender-based norm scales, uh, it more accurately reflects a distribution of performance across all elements of the Army and ensures a fair transition to the new fitness test of record. Uh, but I'll tell you, the ACFT scores are still rigorous and will enable the Army to promote a culture of physical fitness and readiness. So I think uh, my last question I have, Sergeant Major, and I, I know it's been around, especially on social media, is why did the Army decide to remove the leg tuck from the test? So I'll tell you, as they, as they took a hard look at the leg tuck, what they found was it wasn't a good measure of, of core body strength, which was actually what the test that we were trying to develop was going to do. Um, you know, the leg tuck required uh, a level of upper strength, uh, upper body strength, uh, grip strength. So what was happening was we would have soldiers that didn't have the, the right grip strength or upper body strength to hold themselves and weren't able to actually work out their core muscle groups. Um, so they, sub, they went in and they you know, have replaced the leg tuck now with the plank. Plank is being used by the Marines and the Navy. They already have an established scoring standard out there. So, and, and like I said, the RAND study uh, determined that uh, the plank was probably a better test to get after what we were trying to measure. Well, that's awesome. Hey, so uh, we're, we're getting close on time, Sergeant Major. So I, I always like wrapping up if there's any message or advice that you want to leave for the force. As I move around Fort Sill here and talk to our soldiers and leaders and, and about the, you know, the great army we serve in, I, I usually leave them with one, one saying, and that is I challenge them to be the leader that they want to be led by. You know, everybody talks about, hey, how can I be the Sergeant Major of the Army one day, or how can I be the Sergeant Major of EFCO? And I said, it all starts with just, you know, be genuine, be yourself, and be the letter, leader that you want to be led by. Uh, it's that simple. That's great, Sergeant Major. So I would like to thank Command Sergeant Major Stephen Burnley for being our guest today. And you all have been listening to Fire Strong.